Hello, Bethel's Rock Online. It's so good to be with you again. We are in our final message in a series we've called Fresh Wind, and, and today we're going to talk about a wind from heaven. You know, this whole series has been about um, getting in that place we call the doldrums, when we just feel apathetic and tired and worn out. Last week, we talked about how important rest and taking a Sabbath is to renewing our energy. And I, if you haven't heard that message, I want to encourage you to go back because it's such an important message in our life. It's one of the Ten Commandments that I think most people just completely ignore in their life. They just look past it thinking it's not a big deal. And I can tell you this much. Uh, if you're going to be creative, if you're going to... If you're going to be effective and successful in life, you're going to need to be a person who takes rest, that takes time off on a weekly basis. And so in this series, we've been talking about our state of life, uh, our, our feeling uh, kind of tired and stagnant, apathetic, neutralized with no movement, dry, empty. And when that happens, we begin to wear down and we allow outside forces of evil uh, to enter into the, our life. Now, this is uh, something that I find quite amazing is many people and even Christians believe in God, but they don't believe in a spirit world. Um, it's crazy how many people don't believe in the presence of Satan or demons or fallen angels. They, in fact, when you bring it up, they almost glaze over like, that's crazy, that, does that really exist? And it really exists. You cannot believe in God and not believe in Satan. Evil and, and, and good exists. Now, I wanna give you kind of a revelation the Lord showed me, and I thought it was, was interesting. Uh, because in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree of life and there was a tree of knowledge and knowledge of good and knowledge of bad. And something occurred to me uh, uh, even this last week when I was talking to someone, they'd said uh, something bad had happened to someone they loved. And they made this statement, why is God doing this to them? And I thought it just it really occurred to me. And I thought, you know, there are many people who believe God does evil. Like, we know evil exists in the world. And for those who read the Bible, they know in the Bible that God doesn't do evil. Satan does evil. But many people don't believe in Satan. Therefore, when evil occurs, they think that evil as well as good are all encompassed in God. Uh, if it's evil that happens to them, they say, why is God doing this to me? to me. If it's good, they said, yeah, God is doing this, this for me, you know. And, and many people think, why does God choose to do good sometimes and evil sometimes? And, and there's a breakdown in understanding uh, of the scriptures that says God is good. But what, what's even more interesting, and this is what the Lord really showed me, was all evil comes from Satan. It flows from Satan's mouth to your life. But there is also good that happens in your life that isn't from God. It also comes from Satan. The tree was the tree of knowledge of good and knowledge of evil. That there is some things you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this is so good. This looks good. It smells good. It tastes good. But it isn't from God good. The Bible says every good 
and perfect gift comes from above. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, which means that there are some gifts that are good, but they're not perfect. There are some gifts that are good and perfect, and they come from God, and there's some gifts that aren't. You know, when you get a promotion, it's good until it takes away your family. You get an endless supply of food is good until you're so obese that it kills you. Winning the lottery is good until the money literally swallows you up in greed or, or fear of losing it all or all the other challenges that come from having it or marrying that one person that you just thought you had to marry. And you did. And it was good. You thought it was good. And it must be from God because it's good. Just because it's good doesn't mean it comes from God. It's a trap. Not all good things come from God, but good, all good and perfect gifts come from God. And there's a fresh wind that God wants to release into your life if you ask him. And there's an intangible force that will revive your soul when you realize that. Don't fall in the trap of what the enemy is trying to deceive you in. Search and look for and pursue the intangible force of this fresh wind from heaven. Now, in the series before, the first principle we talked about was we need to fall in love with Jesus. The second one was we need to choose a Christ-like attitude. And the third was we need to slow down and rest. And maybe that's something you need to do. It was kind of a joke last week. If you're stressed, you reverse the word, turn the word word around, and it spells dessert. You should go out and get some dessert. But the question I have is, did you stop this week? Are you going to Sabbath? Now, our theme verse is this. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And I love this. It's not imposed on you. It's not something that you it is chosen for you. It's not based on your uh, uh, place in life, station in life, how much money you have or don't have. It's, it's for you to choose life. We need to choose life. And if you don't choose life, you will gravitate toward curses and death. So you need to intentionally choose life. And to do that and to help us do that is this source of life called the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. Now, I've always said, uh, it it almost been better if God had called him not the Holy Ghost, but like Chuck, you know, because Chuck's not an intimidating name. You know, you got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Chuck. And if you're a high high church, you could been Charles. You know, uh, the whole uh, Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, freaks out some people. It's intimidating, and and but he's the third person of the Trinity. Reason for. Our discomfort comes back to translated Bibles, and this may surprise you, but our Bibles weren't written in English. The scriptures were not written in English in England. They were written in the Middle East. And in a culture that spoke Hebrew, and later on in the New Testament, it was Greek and Aramaic. So 800 times in the Bible, we see the word spirit, or in some translations, ghost, uh, translated from this word, from this word used in Hebrew and Greek, and really it doesn't directly mean spirit or ghost. And it's not the fault of the people who did this. There was really no English word that captured exactly what it was saying in Hebrew. It's a problem that many people have when translating from one language to another. 
So I want to give you the word in the Old Testament and New Testament and show you what it exactly meant and why they translated it there. And this will help us understand a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. So if you're somebody who's heard about the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, or maybe you've never heard about it, and you're absolutely shocked uh, by this, um, this may be helping, this may shed a little light on what it actually means. So let's start with this word, ruach, a ruach. In order to say it, you almost got to have spit coming up from the back of your throat. It, it's, it means this, ruach, means a wind breath, a violent exhaling of air, a blast of breath. Uh, in the Old Testament, you see it in Genesis 1-2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Ruach of God was hovering over the waters, meaning the mighty wind of, of God was hovering over the waters back and forth. It was out of the mouth of God that it came creation. It, you see, it's not just words. God spoke. But it was this, when he spoke, his words were like breath that just forcefully went back and forth over the, wor over the world. The breath, of, the breath of God had power, a power that can propel you out of the doldrums. In the New Testament, the word was pneuma, a current of air, blast of breath, a strong breeze. And you can see that in John 6, 63. It says the spirit gives life. The pneuma gives life. L look at that. The fl flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. What he was saying is, is the words of God are like a wind, like a breath. So I, I, I really want you to get this part right here. Ruach and pneuma. You do... When you think of the Holy Spirit, what you're saying is, is God, the Holy Spirit, let him live in me. What you're saying is, is I want the breath of heaven to be in me. Now, when man was created and he's laying for, in form of a man on the ground, the, his physical body was there, but it wasn't until God went down and blew ruach into his nostrils that the breath of God, the life of God brought life to this lifeless body. That's what happens at salvation. When the Spirit of God enters your body, it's a breath of God that gives you new life and you begin to, you begin to just live and you realize that you once were dead. You see, many people think, oh, I'm already alive. I walk around, I do things, I'm doing all the same things. But there is a difference when the ruach or the pneuma of the Spirit of God comes in you, that blast of air, that strong breeze that comes and lives in you. That's why it says the Spirit gives life. The flesh can't do anything. But the words I've spoken to you are, are, are ruach. And they are life. It is God putting wind in your sails. Your flesh is not going. You can, you can hear everything I'm saying and it isn't going to change your life unless God allows that word to come into your ears and be like ruach in your ears. So rather words, um, it's so important. You can study. You can work on reading the Bible. You can do all of that stuff. But Rather than words just being spoken, you need it's the breath of God on that word 
that sets us free. This message is not meant to be a bunch of concepts printed on a, a page. It's not meant to be a motivational speech. Speech. If it doesn't change you, it's worthless to you. The word, but these words themselves contain life. That's why people said when Jesus spoke, it was like with great authority. Like when he spoke, they felt the pneuma power of the Holy Spirit that contained life flow through their body. And it's difficult to describe the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe wind, but, but the wind of the Holy Spirit uh, what it is in our life, you can see the effects on, of that in our life. Try describing wind to someone who's never been outside. Do you believe in wind? And you say, of course I believe in wind. Can you see it? No. Well, then how do you know it's there? Because I can see the effects of wind on things. Like I may not see the force, but I see how it impacts things around me. I can actually feel wind blowing. And it, it's just amazing to me when people say, well, if the Holy Spirit's real, then why can't we see it? Well, you can see it. You can see the effects of the Holy Spirit in people's lives all the time. You can actually experience and feel the Holy Spirit. So, first of all, the wind is unseen. You can point to it. doesn't have color, but you can say, look at how the wind is affecting. And, and a lot of times we see when the Holy Spirit is affecting someone's life, we think, oh, they're just faking it. That's not real. They're just putting on. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that when the Holy Spirit came and rested on people on the day of Pentecost and they began to speak in languages they had not learned, and, and here's the thing, the people around them heard them speaking in their language, meaning that doesn't mean that they were speaking in the languages of those people. It meant that God opened the ears of the hearer to hear what they were saying in a spiritual language in the language they could understand. This is the part that's amazing to me. We think that the people who were speaking in tongues had to be speaking ancient languages in order for them to be heard. But what was really taking place was they were speaking in a spirit language that they did not understand and God was giving the hearers the gift of interpretation so that they could understand what was being said in their language. God intended for you to experience him and to feel him. That is why Jesus said, wait until the another comes, the Holy Spirit comes. Feeling the presence of God is important in our life. One second in the presence of God will convince you forever. You know, there was a young couple that came to our church in Michigan many years ago. Great couple, loved the church. And they made this statement, we, we love the life in this church. However, we don't like the Holy Spirit stuff. So if you stop talking about the Holy Spirit stuff, we'll be back. And I kind of chuckled and thought for a second. And I basically shared with them, if we don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit stuff, you won't experience the life stuff that you like so much. We all need a lot more of the presence of God. And, it, and we don't determine how he gives it. We don't determine the method in which he released it. The enemy is trying to deceive you and keep you in the doldrums of life by taking away the third person of the, of the Trinity. We all need a lot more of the presence of God's stuff. Why else do we go to church? 
just to learn good habits. John 20, 29 says, Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Secondly, the wind is unpredictable. Wind is always moving in different directions, and life is unpredictable. Everything changes, and it, it's truly, truly, and not to mention, truly, you're unpredictable. Isn't it amazing how we want God to be predictable, but we're extremely unpredictable? We're One minute, we're having a great day, and we're being nice and generous. The next minute, we're as stingy as the Grinch. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's, there's this unpredictableness that occurs in our life even, and we got a God that has to be unpredictable to really move with us to bring us into his presence. John 3, 8 says, Jesus answered, the wind, the pneuma blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit, meaning our lives are unpredictable. We should not just sit there and say, God, I just want a clear plan. Can I tell you something? There won't be because God is going to move us from one place to another and we won't know where we're going because, because life is happening around us and God literally is in many ways, and I know this is crazy, but in many ways I am a host of the presence of God. I host the Holy Spirit. I host the breath of God. I host the wind of God. And when God needs the wind to blow in an area, he, he moves me in that area. It's unpredictable because things change. People make bad decisions. They make good decisions. There are times when God needs me to go there or there. And we need to be ready to move wherever God wants us to go. This is the other reason why God's unpredictable. Because in the Bible, it talks about the burning bush, right? Moses walking, there's a burning bush. And and he hears from God in the burning bush. Now, if we were Moses, if we were Moses, because God spoke to us in the burning bush, we would have burning bushes in all of our churches. When somebody needed to hear from God, we'd say, go to the burning bush. We're the second church of the burning bush. You know, the, we, would, we would memorialize and we would make holy this burning bush. And, and literally what happens is when we, because we love formulas, when God does something, we make a formula of it. We make a monument of it. And then we think that that's how, whenever I need something, I go back to that. You know what the problem with that is? Is when we make a formula, we, we pursue and work the formula rather than pursue God for direction. God changes so that we will pursue him and not become uh, uh, ingrained or fall into the rut of doing something the same where we don't need God anymore because we know how it works, God. So, so if you're following a formula, maybe you're saying, get a bush. Uh, there was a guy in the New Testament who brought his blind friend and he had watched Jesus put his hands on people and heal them. And he's like, hey, Jesus, I got this friend of mine. He's blind. Put your hands on my blind friend. And he's telling Jesus how he should heal his friend. And Jesus is like, oh, you think it's about the hand. Okay. So he turns around and goes, and he reaches down and spits in the ground and makes a mud pie. And you know, the guy's like freaking out. He's like, hey man, I'm sorry. I normally uses a hand, but I don't know what he's doing right now with the, with the mud. Uh, sorry, dude. I've never seen him do it this way before. It's like, we bring our friends and we're thinking, 
that there's an exact way that God's got to do this. And, and even we bring them to church and, and we're like, okay, pastor, don't do anything stupid. You know, we need you to, I brought my friends today. I don't want you to do anything that embarrasses me. And, and the reality is, is God's unpredictable. Human nature likes things wrapped up in the same. The third thing is wind is powerful. It has the ability to move powerful physical objects. It is unseen and can move seen things. Uh, Think about this. Wind can literally move boulders. It can, if you think of a tornado, the wind, the force of wind in a hurricane can literally move physical homes off their foundation. The Bible says that our faith is literally so powerful that when we believe the wind can move mountains, uh, you know, I really have no interest in serving a powerless God. I have no interest in talking about the power that he at one time operated in. I believe with all my heart that he still wants to work with the same biblical power today as he did 2,000 years ago, and he can change your life. His power goes beyond the natural. Do you know why people are abandoning the faith by abandoning the the biblical truths, it's because they're not experiencing the power. Who wants a gospel that does not have the power to change lives? You cannot, knowledge is not going to set people free. More knowledge only brings bondage because we cannot do what we know. Only the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, like a mighty rushing wind, brings life into us, and we respond because of the power working in us. It's not about my willpower. It's about His power. You you know, there are so many things that we don't understand. It, It goes beyond our systems of thoughts and structure. We don't understand healing. You might never understand it. And yet, if, if this is an intellectual gospel, uh, most are going to create a gospel that revolves around, the, around what they can comprehend. And when you do that, you limit God in your life. You, when you limit God and, and say, I don't know if he's doing any miracles today. I don't know that he's doing the Bible stuff today. What you do is you limit God in your life and you keep that size of God to the limit of your comprehension. That part of uh, uh, that you can comprehend, it's going to make you literally um, the part beyond what you can comprehend is going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to make you you are not going to understand God because he's bigger than your pea sized brain. And and I say that respectfully. Uh, You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want God to be the size of my brain. He created this universe. You know, if you've heard the story of Charles Finney, he was an American revivalist, and he led over a half a million people to the Lord. And what most people don't know about him was that he was training to be a lawyer. He was highly intellectual, and he really struggled with this idea of the Holy Ghost. And he struggled because he couldn't understand it. He couldn't figure it out. Finally, desperate for power in his life, he put aside his traditions and his misperceptions and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Most people don't even know that. And he wrote this uh, after he had received the Holy Spirit. He said this, But as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended on me 
in a manner that seemed to be seemed to go through me body and soul i could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me indeed it seemed to come in waves uh, and waves of liquid love for i could not express it with any other way it seemed like the very breath of god do you know why it seemed like the breath of god <laughs> because it was the breath of god we need more than human effort or ability we need more than human willpower for the things that we face in life we will never accomplish god's plan without god's power we're never going to succeed in life without the holy spirit's why jesus said guys i don't want you going out and doing ministry until you receive the promise i have for you and that promise was the holy spirit you know, even the disciples struggled with this not understanding things. For John, it says in Acts chapter 1, it says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days, and Jesus is telling his disciples this, In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at the t this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the time or the dates. The Father is set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The di disciples had a different agenda. They weren't getting it. Jesus was wanting to give them power and they wanted to know stuff. Can I just help you with something? You don't need to know anything. You don't need to know everything. You might not have the clearance to know some things, but what you do need is the power of God. Knowledge is okay, but it will only take you so far. The power of God is going to give you everything you need to accomplish all God is calling you to. We need the breath of heaven. We need the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Do you believe that? That the breath of God that raised Jesus out of the grave. Think about it. Jesus is physically dead and the breath of God raised him up from laying on that cold slab, gave him life. And that power is in you. The second thing we need to do is go all in. You can't go halfway. We, we love to live in two different arenas. I want to I wanna kind of hedge my bets. I want to maybe do this, see if it works. And maybe if it works, then I'll go that way. No, if we're going to experience uh, the power of God, we have to go all in. It's an all or it's a nothing uh, thing. God is not going to negotiate with you on it you know that hymn that says i surrender all that's not 90 97 percent in that is 100 percent. i am going all in on this if i succeed or fail i'm putting it all on the line you know um if you do anything halfway it's not going to work following jesus is for radicals think about what the disciples did the disciples died for Jesus, not because they believed in Jesus, because they went out to places that they knew they could be martyred for sharing the gospel with. We're afraid I might lose my job if I share the gospel. They knew they could lose their life. They were radical about it because God was their provider, not their workplace. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you seek him, go all in. Third, develop an intimate friendship with him. 
It isn't a formal communication. Interact with them. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says in the message, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. It's an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. We talk to him. We interact with him. We acknowledge him because the Father is in heaven. His Son is at the right hand, but the Holy Spirit abides in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Some of us are more attached to our iPhones. We sleep with it. We communicate with it. We ask it to answer all of our questions. We, we're in love with our iPhones. Someone say something, says something and we're right away Googling on our iPhones to see if what they're saying is right. You know, I couldn't believe it. The other day, there was a lady texting while she was driving and almost hit me and I almost spilt my bowl of cereal. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I wish we knew the Holy Spirit more than we knew our iPhones. Yet, we get more excited about when the new iPhone is going to come out than we do with what the Holy Spirit's been up to. Isaiah 30, 21 says this, Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. I love that. Because when I don't know where to turn, the Holy Spirit's right there. Here's the fresh wind principle number four, and you'll see it in Ephesians 4.30. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit. How do you grieve God? How do you break his heart? It has to do with the Holy Spirit. It says his Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Don't take the Holy Spirit for granted. Acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit. Get, here's the principle. Get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, that, this is the final principle in this Fresh Wind series. And I know for a lot of people, maybe, maybe you're like, man, I've wanted to shut you off a long time ago. You brought up the Holy Spirit, and that's of the devil. Friend, if somebody's told you that the third person of the Holy Spirit is of the devil, they were the devil. The Bible is very clear. And, and I'm not suggesting that person was the devil himself. I'm saying we don't battle against flesh and blood, but spiritual forces of power. They were used of the devil to deceive you. The Holy Spirit is not something to fear or be scared of. The Holy Spirit is a friend that God has sent to literally be God living with us. And he wants to live with you. You don't have to live in fear because the power raised Christ from the dead is living in you. You don't have to fear the things around us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear evil because the Holy Spirit is with me. He's with you. And all you have to do is begin to acknowledge his presence and you'll begin to experience the wind. You may not see him, but you're going to feel him and you're going to see the effect that he has in situations in your life. You're going to see him blowing things uh, in your life and you'll know he's present so father right now i pray where there are some who are hearing this and they're like man i don't i don't, I don't know about this holy spirit lord i pray that you soften their heart that that has been hardened by maybe beliefs of the past lord god i pray that you would open their eyes to see the scriptures and how they point to you and to hear your word even through this lord i pray that they would begin to acknowledge the fact that they need something greater than just concepts than just sermons. They need the breath of heaven in their life. So Lord, I pray right now as only you can do 
in ways that my words cannot do it, that your anointing and the breath of heaven, just as you did in Adam's lungs, that you would begin to breathe new life, fresh wind into their lungs and that they would begin to be renewed in their heart and their mind. Like there would literally be a, that they would inhale and breathe in life and abundant life. And that in this moment, there would be a transformation in their attitude, a transformation in their spirit, and just that joy would return where there's been depression, that peace would return where there's only been anxiety. Lord God, where they've just felt empty, that they would feel the fulfillment of your spirit as you fill them right now. And Lord, I pray you bring the gifts that you have for them so that they can operate as you have ordered it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you've heard about this and you still have a lot of questions, we understand. We understand. That's why we have an online campus pastor. And this is a pastor that has really been uh, dedicated to serve anyone and everyone who's watching. His name is Alex Preston, and you can reach him at BethelsRock.org. Uh, you go there, his information will be there. I want to encourage you, his email will be below. You can email him. I want to encourage you to pursue what God has, this fresh wind that God has for you. He will be able to walk you through it. He's going to pray with you. And, and listen, when he does, you're going to experience the, uh, the power of God, a miracle. And that's really what a miracle is. It, you can't see how, but you see the effect of the wind. Miracles are like the tree blowing in the wind, the leaves blowing, the winds blowing the leaves. You can't see the wind, but you see the, that's what a miracle is. And that's what you're going to experience when, when he prays with you. So I want to encourage you to do that. I know God has a great uh, uh, future ahead for you, but he wants you to walk in the Holy Spirit. God bless you and have an incredible day.